Amen. Amen. Well, as we get ready for the Word of God, come on, you guys, I always tell you guys are too happy. Come on, you're too happy. Too excited. <laughs> and I'm grateful that this is a church that likes people. If you're not a people person, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> in reverence to the Word of God, let's all remain standing. John chapter 6, verse 5. This is an exciting word. My dog loves to feed on the Word of God too. <laughs> yep. Christian dog. John chapter 6, <laughs> verse 5. The Word of God says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards Him, He said to Philip, Where should we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test Him, for He already had in mind what He was going to do. And Philip answered Him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite little exaggeration there. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place that the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. I want you to notice here in verse 13, they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves that was left over. So let me just quickly explain this to you. They went from having nothing to having enough to having more than enough. And if you're tired of just living with nothing, and you're just expecting God to just give you enough. What if God says, I want to do more in your life than just enough? I want to do more than enough. That's why this morning I feel led to teach on this. And I want to preach you this morning on this subject. No more empty baskets. Come on, say that with me. No more empty baskets. And just hit your neighbor right now. Help me preach and tell him, hey, no more empty baskets for you. As we talked this morning on how to live a life of abundance, let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help me to preach. Touch my lips now, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Remove any distractions, hindrances. Prepare our hearts to receive this word to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we talk about no more empty baskets. 
As I read this passage earlier in the week this morning, in the morning, I came across this passage and I've read on this a lot of times. I've preached on it several times. But the Lord would lead me to this passage to really study it. Because I was really realizing that a lot of us can sometimes feel empty inside. And there's a lot of people, we live in a culture of emptiness. How many believe that this morning? There's a lot of empty people. And don't think that just because you're a Christian, you're not going to experience a season of emptiness. And maybe you're in this church today and you're experiencing a sense of emptiness. See, emptiness has three levels. There's the emptiness you experience physically. That means that there's a lack in your life, maybe financially, or you need something physical in your life. There's a, there's a physical element to emptiness. There's an emotional element to emptiness where emotionally, when you feel empty, you've lost all sense of emotions and feelings. You're just going through life. You're just going through the motion. It's just a routine. So when you have an emptiness emotionally, you can come to church you can hear the Word of God, you can worship, you can be around a lot of great God-minded, like-minded people and fellowship, but it really doesn't do much for you. You leave here just as empty as before because you might be experiencing an emotional emptiness. There's definitely a spiritual emptiness that can occur. And that is where you know the Word of God and you worship and you go to church, but it feels like God is just far from you you feel a sense that God is not even speaking to you or directing you. And again, you're just going through the motions of the church and the worship and the Bible reading and all of that religion and spiritual aspect, but it really doesn't touch you anymore like it used to. Then you might be at a spiritual state of emptiness. You see, emptiness can come in such a different amount of forms in our lives. And when I looked at the disciples in this story, I realized something we have to be careful with. It's amazing how comfortable we can get with empty. It's amazing how accustomed we can get with empty. And we just kind of make emptiness a part of our lives and a routine and we just make it work. Let me give you an example. Just this Friday, I was using the, uh, the car, so I told Jericho to take the truck. If you want to laugh, watch Jericho drive this massive truck. And Jerrica takes the truck and she gives me a phone call and she says, hey, I, I have a question. I'm like, yeah, are you okay? Is my truck okay or what's going on? And she said, yeah, I just want you to, I just want to know because we, we really don't have gas in the truck right now because I mean, you know, you just can't fill up a truck nowadays. So I just leave it there. I call it my lawn ornament right now. It's been parked there for months and anyway, she calls me and says, well, I, I'm not sure and I just asked her, hey, has the light come on? And she's like, no, not yet. It's on E, but the light has not gone on. And I said, oh, you're fine then. you got at least 40 more miles. Well, go to Maria's house. You'll be in Maria's house. You'll come right back. And just when you get home, the light should turn on. And you still got a lot more miles left in her. Don't worry about it. And I realized that I got accustomed and used to making that truck work on empty. Are you following me? How many, no, don't judge me. How many do the same thing? When that light goes on, you know you can make it. And you know where you can't go. You know. And I realize a lot of times we can get comfortable 
with emptiness. Where we kind of just settle for it. And we kind of just get satisfied with it. See, I started thinking that if we're not careful, we can be satisfied with a life of emptiness. But when I read the Bible, I realize that not only should not should we not be satisfied with emptiness, but we have a God that says, I want to satisfy your emptiness. I want to do more in your life. I want to go above and beyond. I don't just want you to live a life of emptiness, but today we have so many people that are just settling for a life of emptiness. Even among the church and even amongst God's people, there are many believers living a life of emptiness, whether physical, emotional, or even spiritual. And this is what happened to the disciples. You see, I realized that the disciples, they were believers, they followed Jesus, they loved Jesus, they were doing their best to be obedient to Him and even serve Him. But the Bible shows us in this passage we just read that even though they were following Jesus and serving the Lord, their baskets were empty because it was common for people to travel and carry one basket each. That's why in the end you see that Jesus filled 12 baskets because every person traveled with one basket for the journey. But what's amazing to me is that as they're following Jesus, they're seeing the miracles happen. They're seeing that nothing is impossible. They believe that Jesus is God. They believe that nothing, nothing is out of limits. They've seen Jesus calm the storms. They've seen Jesus raise and they see Him heal people. They've seen Jesus do so many miracles and yet they're following Jesus and all the long they're following Jesus. Their baskets is empty. And when I read that, I realized, I said, wait a minute, Lord. I don't want that to be the story of my life. I don't want to be the God, the guy that says, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to pastor your church. I'm going to believe in your word. I'm going to disciple people. I'm going to reach the lost. I want to be used by you. I want to be loved by you. I want to serve you, God. But all the time I'm doing this, I'm living my life empty. And be careful because as believers, we can follow Jesus and still be empty on the inside. You're full of the Holy Spirit, but you're lacking in your life. Are you with me this morning? I said, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for our church. I don't want to see that happening, but it happens far too often. So many people are living lives of emptiness. So in this passage, we see that the disciples have their baskets, but it's empty. And as they're walking with Jesus, the Bible says that large crowds started gathering. The Bible says 5,000 men. Not including women and children. So we're talking about 15 to 20 thousand people gathered around Jesus. And here's where it gets interesting. Jesus turns to Philip and says, where are we going to buy enough bread to feed all these people? 
Imagine this with me. Jesus turns to you. You're facing 20,000 people. And he says, hey, who's picking up this tab? How are we going to feed these people? You see, Jesus asked Philip a question that could not be answered. Jesus tells his disciples, feed them. So not only does Jesus ask a question that cannot be answered, they're faced with a problem that has no solution. And they're given a task they cannot do. And that's what your life might look like today. And maybe in your life right now, you're facing a problem that goes beyond your ability to handle. Or maybe you're asking questions you're not finding answers for. Or maybe you've given this responsibility of a task you can't even handle. And you're giving this task of doing something you think is beyond your ability. And you're saying, God, I can't do this. Lord, this is impossible. I don't know how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it, if we're going to do it. Lord, I don't know how we're going to answer this. I don't know how we're going to fix this. Lord, this is beyond us. That is exactly what the disciples were faced with. A problem bigger than them. A question they couldn't answer. And given a responsibility they could not meet. Is that you this morning? Are you trying to figure things out you can't figure out? Are you trying to handle something you can't handle? Fix something you can't fix? Do something you can't do? It's no wonder so many people are feeling a sense of emptiness. It's no wonder so many people feel overwhelmed today. Scared. Discouraged. Alone or even hopeless. Because you're faced with something, you're telling the Lord, I can't do what you're telling me to do. This is impossible. We cannot feed 20,000 people, Jesus, because I don't know if you've noticed, but we can't even feed ourselves. And isn't it interesting that sometimes God will tell you to do something you can't do on your own. God's going to tell you to love someone when you're saying, I have no love to give. God's going to tell you, hey, why don't you buy lunch for that person? I can't even buy lunch for myself. Hey, why don't you forgive that person? No, no, no. I don't even have enough forgiveness in me. But see, Jesus is telling them to do something they literally cannot do because their baskets are empty. That's when you feel limited. That's when you feel hopeless. That's where you feel discouraged. And that's when you start doing math. Did you notice what Philip answered? Philip didn't say, Lord, our baskets are empty, but thou knoweth what to do. Lord, you're God. Lord, I know you heal the sick. You give sight to the blind. I know you walk on water. I know you cast out demons. And I know that this is a problem bigger than we're able to handle. I know that we're empty. 
But Lord, I also know you work miracles. So Lord, we're going to trust you. Lord, we're going to believe in you. We're not going to do a single thing, but watch you fix this. We say amen, right? Not what happened in the story. You know what happened? Philip got a calculator. He said, hold up, let me answer, let me wait. I'll, I'll answer that in a minute. Eight months. How much do we make? Oh, we make nothing? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, donations. We made this much over here. Okay. Based on the, okay. Jesus, yes. Okay, based on the numbers, um, according to the financial report, if uh, we work right now with a little overtime, we can't even give them a bite to eat in eight months. He did the math. To a God that has no concept of numbers. A God that says uh, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand is like a day. No concept of numbers. A God that says, as far as the east is from the west, so much have I removed your sin. No concept of numbers. But yet he's telling Jesus the numbers. In fact, we serve a God that does not count. And aren't you grateful for that? He doesn't count. You imagine if he counted, Lord, can you forgive me? I don't think so. You've exceeded your forgiveness limit because according to this, you said on May 12th, you wouldn't do it anymore, but you've done it a total of 187 times just this year alone. I can't do it. The numbers don't add up. I'm glad God don't count. But Philip, he was counting. Philip was ruled and controlled by numbers. And a lot of you here this morning, numbers rule your life. How long, Lord? You ever prayed that one? How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to put up with it? How much more? How long, Lord? That's numbers, isn't it? Because you're asking God the time. How many days? Lord, just give me a count. Some of you are ruled by numbers. You're afraid today because all it takes is you logging onto your little bank account and counting how much you don't have. Some of you, when it comes time to give and tithe and offering, you're going to do the numbers. Okay, I, don't, I, I think I could give a dollar today. Some of us are ruled by numbers. As a pastor, I was ruled by numbers. How many people showed up? Oh no, that's not, how many, how much did we make? And I stopped all of that. I'll preach this good to one person. Because we gotta stop being controlled by numbers. You ever watch the news? What do they plague you with? Numbers, polls, numbers. This how many people? And by this time, and this is inflation, and this is how many people, and the poll said this, and a poll by that, and this is expensive. It's getting more expensive. We're all dominated by numbers. 
We measure how big is our problem? How much do we have? How long do we have left? What are we going to do? Can I just tell you something I never want you to forget? God is so good at numbers, he wrote a book about it. It's literally called Numbers. The book of numbers. Stop being controlled by numbers. A lot of us are living empty lives because all we do is measure how much do I have, what's going to happen, we don't have enough, it's getting emptier and emptier, and we're ruled by numbers. Lord, I'm getting older, I'm scraping 40, that's a number, and I haven't met him yet. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm scraping retirement. I'm almost at that age. But when I look at my bank, I don't think my pen, I don't know if the pension's going to cover. I don't know God. And you're giving God the numbers. Help me preach. Show me your hands if you're ruled by numbers lately. The rest of you, show, show me your hands so I can show the crowd who's lying. You're ruled by numbers. So Philip does the math. He gives Jesus the numbers. But here's what you have to know about God. Job chapter 9, verse 10. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that what? Cannot be counted. This was Job, the man that lost everything, lost his children, lost his finances, had health problems, marital problems. His whole life was turned upside down. Satan was attacking him. He was at the worst place possible for any human being that ever existed. And yet he said this to himself. I serve a God not only that does miracles, but he does countless because God doesn't count. He doesn't count. How big a problem is? How long you've been in that situation? How many times have you sinned? God doesn't count. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is without limit. That's why we can say with confidence, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to what? Immeasurably, not with a number. To him who was able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us. That word immeasurable in the Greek is a word uped. It literally means beyond a limit. This verse in Ephesians is telling us God goes beyond your limitations. Because we are finite beings. We are limited human beings. You have limits. And some of you are facing problems like the disciples that go beyond your limits to fix. Beyond your limit to answer. Beyond your limit to handle. But the Bible says that God is a God who goes beyond the limit. Why is it so important that we as a church learn this? Because when you begin to do the math, you are not only limiting yourself, you are not only limiting your faith, 
You are putting limits on God who has and knows no limits. You want proof? Say, preach it. Look at verse 9. I think I will preach it. Look at verse 9. Here's another disciple. Remember, he, the, Philip's still doing math. Now Peter's brother says, he does something crazy. He grabs a little boy. If we're in ministry, we don't grab little boys. We don't, we don't, we don't go and grab a boy's lunch. Akilah, like, man, if, if I were... That, if someone, someone grabbed a little boy's lunch and said, hey, Pastor Dave, I found this. I stole it from a boy. I say, what are you thinking? But notice what he says. Here's a boy with five. What, what's five? What is it? It's a number. Here's a boy with five. Stay with me. Five. It's a number. Small. What's that? It's a measurement, which is what? You guys are smart. A number. Here's a boy with five. Stay with me. Five. Small loaves. And what's two? And two small fish. That was weird. I'm sorry I did that. Two. They don't swim like, I don't know. Yeah, this is a flag. This is a fish. All right. So one more time. Five small. Do it with me so I don't look crazy. Five small loaves. Two small fish. And notice, you all look crazy from up here. But notice the question now. How far will they go among so many? I wish they would have said, Lord, we have five and two, and it's small, it's not enough, but Lord, we know you can do all things. We know that you do everything beyond measure with no limits, so Lord, here you go. That didn't happen. They asked Jesus. They literally asked God incarnate. How far can this go? In other words, they're telling God right now, we're not going to make it. It's not going to last. You're, you're, you're not going to make it. Do you feel the devil whispering that to you right now? You're not going to go very far in life. Stop Believing. You're not going to make it. That child of yours is not going to make it. It's not going to go very far. It's going to have an end point. It's not going to change. They asked Jesus. They asked Jesus. They asked Jesus. God Himself. There's a limit here. It can't go very far. And every time you speak that into your life, I'm not going to make it far. We're not going to make it. This is the end. You are telling God you have limits. They asked him, how far can it go? Two things I want to teach you. One, Jesus didn't answer that question. Why? The dumb question. 
How dare you ask me how far I can do things? How dare, who are you to question how far or what are my limits are? What I love about Jesus, he didn't answer it. Why? Because he wasn't going to tell them how far he was going to show them. And I believe this is a word for someone to hear. You're saying, oh, God is silent. Good. If God is silent, it's because he's not going to speak to you. He's going to show you. Come on. And not only is God going to show you, you better receive this, because I feel this in my spirit today. God did not only not tell them because he was going to show them. But did you notice that in the Bible it says that they counted only the 5,000 adult men? But the five loaves and the two fish, they came from a little boy that was not counted. So God wants you to know this morning, not only am I going to show you what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it in ways you never even counted on. I'm going to do it in ways, because you think you know me, you don't know. I'm going to do it in ways you didn't even count. Don't count anymore. Don't count. Because God's going to do things through a boy that wasn't even counted. And maybe you've been counted out in life, but God can still count on you to say, God, you're going to do something. Come on, let's all stand and praise God right now. And then I'll go back. Shake the person next to you. Get up, shake the person, and says, don't count. Don't count. Amen. Sit back down. That felt good, right? You got your stretch on? You got your stretch on? All right, good. Good. How far? That's why you can ask our directors in ministry, you can ask my family. I never ask, how many people did we have? I never ask, how much do we have in our bank account? I never ask, what's the deadline? Mom, is it true? Never. Why? Oh, I care. But I realize, I have limits. And if this is God's church, which it is, God will always provide, we learned that last Sunday, God will provide according to whatever is His will. So when the devil says, oh, it's the summertime, summer is the worst for ministries, and it's going to be empty, and it was. Where did you all come from? And the devil had me all summer. Oh, the offerings are down, numbers are down, inflation is up, and you should count on something else. There's a shortage of teachers. Maybe you can do that. And I'm there saying, no, devil. I know. But I don't need to know how far. Because I serve a God that has and knows no limits. Here's the good news for you that's living with a mathematic mindset. Verse 5 and 6. All of you are saying, what are we going to do? And how much do we have? Listen, verse 5 and 6. They're all, remember, Philip is still on the calculator. They're still counting fish, telling Jesus how small it is. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, 
He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. It was a test. And here's the thing that gives you peace. Ready? He already had in mind what he was going to do. Come on, would you receive that this morning? He already had in mind. Some of you are out of your mind. Some of you have lost your mind. Some of your minds are full of anxiety and stress and panic. But if you would just remember that whatever you're facing, though beyond you, though greater than you, if you already are asking yourself, what am I going to do? Listen, change the way you speak and say, I may not know what I'm going to do, but I know God already has in mind. He already has in mind. God was already in the will, in the future of solving this problem before the problem was even presented to them. Whatever you're facing now, God already had a solution before you even faced it. God already had a plan. God was already one step ahead of them. The Lord knows what He's going to do. The disciples didn't know what he was going to do. They didn't know what they were going to do. Jesus knew exactly what they were going to do. You need to trust him and obey him. Because you might find yourself like the disciples with questions you can't answer right now. Problems that you have no solution for. A task that goes beyond what you're able to handle. And rather than being stressed, overwhelmed, worried, anxious, angry, rather than giving up your peace, here's what you need to know. You ready? Here's what you need to know. You don't need to know. Lord, I need to know. He said, no, you don't. Lord, but I need to know how you're going to provide. You don't need to know. Because if I told you, you wouldn't even understand because I'm doing it in ways you never even counted. Why do you need to know, church? It's your pride. You know how much peace there is when you say, I I just don't know, but I don't need to know. All that I do know is that God knows and He's going to do something. You don't need to know. You just need to know that God knows. God knows exactly. The Bible says, I know what you need. God knows what you need. God knows where you're at. God knows where you've been. God knows that he knows. Therefore, you don't need to know. Stop it. You don't need to know. You just need to know that God has something in mind. The Bible says that Jesus had in mind what he was going to do. Not only does God have in mind what he's going to do, that little verse tells us God is doing something. Right now, God is doing something. Let this truth set you free from the burden and the pressure of I need to know what to do. 
You don't. But knowing that God knows, knowing that God knows and has a plan and has something in mind means that whatever you think you know is irrelevant. Whatever it is you're planning doesn't matter. You know why we live such empty lives? Can I hurt your feelings for a second? Because deep down inside, you're a know-it-all. We live in a culture of know-it-alls. You watch television, and he's an expert on this, and he's just as big as a moron as anyone. Oh, but he's an expert. An expert at what? We're know-it-alls. That's why you need to know. And you think you know what's best for your life. And you think you know what God should do for your life. You think you know how you're going to get out of this. You're going to sit down with your spouse and face problems. Okay, this is what I think I know we got to do. And we got to do this and do that. And God, they're laughing at you. Because God says, wait a minute. Am I not the one that has the plans in mind? But here you are trying to figure everything else out. Let me know how that goes for you. The reason you need to know is because you are a know-it-all. We need to stop and tell ourselves, Lord, I don't know what to do and I don't need to know what to do because I know that you know what to do and you're doing it. Knowing that God knows means I don't have the pressure of trying to figure it all out and I have to know. Because we do, we live in a world of know-it-alls thinking we know what's best, even Christians. And when you think that you know what you need to know and I, that's all I need to know and i got to figure this out, you start making your own plans that veer off God's plans. Let me prove this to you in Scripture through Matthew's account of this story. Look at Matthew 14, verse 15 and 16. This is the same situation through Matthew's lens, through Matthew's point of view. And the Bible says as evening approached, this is what all the 20,000 people, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves something to eat, some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Let's go back to verse 15. Because notice what happens. The disciples were know-it-alls. Remember, this is Jesus. This is God incarnate. This is God they're talking to. When evening was approaching, the disciples came to him and said, Hey, Jesus, yes, this is a remote place. I didn't realize that. Thank you for telling me. What was I thinking? Who has a church service here? Did Jesus say that? Why do you keep telling God where you're at in life? Why do you, Lord, this is the situation. Does God not know where you're at? Does God not know where you're going, what you're going through? 
Does God not know what you're up against? But they went to Jesus, the know-it-alls, and said, hey, I don't know if you know, but uh, this is a remote place. And not only that, and it's getting late. What did they do? Gave him a number. Hey, you ever done this to God? Hey, getting late. Hey, uh, still single. Hey, uh, I'm still broke. Hey, uh, I'm still sick. Hey, uh, have you seen the time lately, God? <laughs> God, um, getting kind of late here. Lord, uh, gray hair. Lord, I'm not getting any younger. Lord, I've been in this situation in a long time. Lord, do you think God didn't realize it was late? You guys getting this today? We keep telling God what he doesn't need to know because he already knows it. And notice, it gets even crazier. Know-it-alls. Not only did they tell Jesus where they were, and they told Jesus it was getting late, They told Jesus what to do. They didn't tell Jesus, hey, do you think it's kind of late? Do you think that we should tell the people they should leave and go to the village to eat something? What did they say? Send the crowds away. They, who? When I read that, what? Are you kidding me? And God said, yeah, David, that's you. That's everyone. They tell me what's going on in their life like I don't know. They're giving me a timeline like I'm not aware. And praying prayers telling me what to do. That's what happens when you're a know-it-all. You know why your basket is so empty? Because you keep doing what you think you know. Jesus was about to multiply and do an amazing miracle, but they were telling Jesus their little plans. Go to the village and get and let them buy something. That's boring. That's not exciting. If I would have preached and the people went to the village and bought lunch, wow, what a sermon. No! But why is this story so awesome? Because they have five loaves, two fish. They were limited, nothing empty. And Jesus made a rain bread. And everyone ate. And they were satisfied. And it was amazing. But what if they, what if Jesus did it their way? How do you want a boring life? Boring life? No? How do you want to see Jesus do things in your life? All right. You want to see God move in your life? Give up your plans. Oh, no, no. Throw the calendar away. Stop telling God where you're at in your life, how long you've been, how long you have left. I got this amount of many months left. This is how much I have. Lord, this is what... God says, I know how empty your basket is. If you're faced with the question, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? It's getting late. How far are we going to make it? What if we don't make it? Take a deep breath. Come on, take a deep breath. 
Exhale and say, Lord, you know. In fact, when Ezekiel in the, in the Bible had a vision of a valley of dry bones, hopeless situation, and God said, can these bones live? Ezekiel didn't say, yeah, Lord, they can live. Or he didn't even say, no, no, Lord, it's over. You know what he said? Lord, only you know. There is freedom in praying that prayer. When you face and you count and you're just facing bills and counting the bills and what's overdue and what, just say, Lord, you know. And when your child is in trouble, I recommend that when you sleep, when they go to sleep, maybe outside in their doors or like a creep over them. I don't care. But you just pray and say, Lord, you know. And when you get that report and you walk out of that hospital or that doctor's office and you're scared, I promise you just get in your car, give yourself a good cry, and just say, Lord, you know. You know. Stop saying, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. You don't need to know. God has something in mind. Do you receive that today? God has something in mind. You say, well, Pastor, why does it feel like I'm following Jesus and I'm still empty inside and struggling with stress and worry and anxiety? It's because you're good at math and you're a know-it-all. Some of you say, no, I failed math in high school. I was saying, no, no, listen, you're counting too much. I got this time left. This is the deadline. This is the due date. This is how much I have. This is how little I have. What am I going to do? This is how much I weigh. This is how much I need. You know, you're, stop counting. Stop counting. And start knowing that you have a God that knows exactly where you're at today. He has something in mind. But before I can send you away and go to your village to have lunch. Don't leave this church thinking right now. Okay, I don't need to know. God's going to do it. Wait. There's something you need to know. And something you need to do. That if you do it, I promise you, God will show up in ways you never imagined. You guys want it or you want to go to your village? Village? Lunch? Village? Or do you want to feed on this word like my dog did? You good? The miracle took place. Jesus provided for everyone. Remember, they went from nothing to enough to more than enough. And I believe those are the three levels of your walk with God. Some people are living with nothing. They don't see God do nothing in their life. And you know why? These people aren't even here right now. But you, you're in that middle place where it's just enough. Yeah, it's just enough. I'm getting by. I'm squeezing through. I survived another week. I go to church. It's just, it's just enough. But what if God says, I didn't die on the cross just to give you enough? 
I want to give you more than enough. I want to do more in your life than just enough. How many of you want that for your life? I promise you, if you're empty today, I can guarantee you what I'm about to teach you, you are not doing in your life. Verse 10. Lord, help me preach this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and the man sat down about 5,000 of them. You might have missed it, because I did for years. I never noticed it. But Jesus did not just make it happen, because God's not just going to do it in your life. The first phrase of this verse is the reason that miracle took place. Jesus what? Jesus said. Jesus said to them, have the people sit down. In other words, Jesus spoke to his disciples. Did he not? Say yes, pastor. He spoke. But ask her, let's put our thinking caps on. In a crowd of 20,000 people, How close do you have to be to, to hear Jesus' instruction? Huh? How close? Super close. Close enough to hear him speak. You know why so many people are living empty lives? They tell me, Pastor, God's not talking to me. God's not showing me anything. God is silent. What if that's not true? What if God is speaking to you and what he's trying to tell you is the answer to your problems and your miracles? But you are so far from the Lord and it is so loud in your life that you drown him out. And you rarely, rarely get alone with the Lord and actually have a real time of quiet with him. Even David said in Psalm 131.2, he said, instead, I have calmed and I have what? Quieted myself. The problem is that the disciples did what Jesus told them to do and they saw the miracles and they had a lot left over because they did what he said. But the only way they were able to do what he said is because they heard what he said. They had to be close enough to hear him speak. And many people today in the church, when you look at their relationship with God, the closest you get to the Lord is a Sunday morning service. But all week long, it's just loud. And it's no wonder so many people are living lives of emptiness because you have all this noise happening all around you and God is trying to speak and God is trying to direct you and God is trying to change the situation, but everything is so loud around you that you drowned Him out. 
And if Sunday morning, one and a half hour, is the most you give God, you're going to stay empty. Sometimes you need to get up before the sun is up, on your knees praying, asking the Lord to speak to you. Because the Bible said that God speaks in a still, small voice, a whisper. Why? Because He needs His children to be close to Him. But you got all this noise. We have so much noise today. And this is what your life looks like. Little metrodome here. You hear that? Say, yeah, Pastor. Uh-huh. Designed to keep you in step, to direct your step. Come on, follow it. Let's see if you have rhythm. Clap with it. See that? You know what you're doing? You're following the step. No, keep going. You're following. The steps. All right, stop. You're following the steps. Because the Bible says the steps, the steps of the Lord are ordered. God is trying to direct your life. Stay in step with me. Walk with me. Come on. Walk with me. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Because you can hear it, right? So you're doing it. Why? Because you're hearing What if the devil, me, right now, says, you know what? That's weird. How much harder is it to keep in step now? Church, is it still moving? But you can't hear it. So right now, I can't keep in step with it. And I'm all over the place. And I feel lost. And I feel confused. Because even though the metrodome is working, I can't hear it because I've drowned it out. And so many people are saying, God, I can't see you. God, I I can't hear you. God, I'm, I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. And God says, I'm still working. I'm still here. I'm still guiding you. You just drowned me out with your noise. So why don't you just quiet yourself? Shut the TV off for an hour. And come pray with me. Get away from the kids right now. Just lock them up. Get in your bathroom. Keep in step with me. So stop drowning me out with all your work and busyness and stress and everything you got going on. Quiet yourself. Because I never stop moving. I never stop speaking. I never stop guiding. You just drowned me out with all your noise. Let's close with this. If the disciples were never close to Jesus to hear him speak, 
they would never have seen that miracle take place. And while you're so busy and concerned about your life and its problem, you're not nearly as concerned of how close you are with the Lord. The real miracle here is not the feeding of 5,000 people. The real miracle is verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 through 12, the Bible says, Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and gave it to all the people as they were seated. As much as they wanted, he did the same with the fish. Look at verse 12. When they had enough, remember they went from nothing to what? Enough. Bible says he said to his disciples gather the pieces that are left over more than you let nothing be wasted the real miracle here is once upon a time there were these 12 men of God who gave everything up for him who loved Jesus who served him who, who did everything they needed to do They did everything they needed to do to obey Him. But their baskets were empty. And there was all this noise around them, distracting them, and they can barely hear Jesus. But when they got close enough to the Lord, Jesus directed them. And some of you, you need God's direction for your life. You're saying, Lord, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how I'm going to do this, and I don't know how far I'm going to make it. And God says, is not only that they were satisfied, but God gave them more than enough. Church, stop counting. Stop telling God how long, how much, how little. Stop drowning Him out with all the noise because the Lord is trying to direct you. But you need to be quiet. You need to be still and believe that God has something in mind. Come on, you guys received this this morning. And I pray that this morning, as you leave church today, let's all stand to our feet. As you leave today, how many believe you're about to face a noisy world out there? A lot of noise. You're going to go to work tomorrow. It's going to be loud. Kids are going to come home with homework. It's going to be louder. You have all these people that need you. That's going to be loudest. 
You got all these busy schedules and things going on and people are calling you, your phone's going off. You have entertainment you need to catch up on. You have all these busyness and stress and everything. And it feels like right now, Pastor, it feels like I, have, I am not in step with God. I have lost my rhythm. I'm confused. I'm not where I need to be. And it feels like God is not moving. It feels like God is not speaking. And I promise you, God is always on the move and the Lord is always speaking. You have just drowned him out. And if you will quiet yourself enough to hear him and be in his presence, the Lord will direct your steps to do what he's always had in mind to do in your life in this situation. So stop telling God and giving God the numbers because God is going to do a miracle in your life in ways you never counted. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone here in church today. And open up the hearts, Lord, as we pray to you. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I have something in my life beyond me right now. Would you put that hand up? Say, it's beyond me, immeasurably. I can't handle it. It's too stressful. It might be a situation. It might be a money problem. It might be a problem with some person in your life. You're saying, God, this is beyond me. And it may be beyond you, but nothing goes beyond God who does immeasurably more than we ask, think, or even imagine. So it's time for you to stop counting. And if you're going to count, just count on a God that says, I love you. I know what you need. I have a plan. Nothing is impossible for me. According to my riches, so much will I provide for your needs. I will provide a way when there is no way. I will do it in ways you never even counted on. Stop telling me how much you have, how little you have. Stop telling me how big the problems are. And stop and just be quiet. And just draw near to me. So make a commitment this morning. you're going to quiet yourself more throughout this week. Maybe earlier in the morning, later in the evening. But you make a commitment to say, Lord, forgive me for drowning you out. Let me quiet myself so I can hear your direction. Father, in Jesus' name, we receive this word. For any person with an empty basket. Father, I pray in Jesus' name she would forgive us for being know-it-alls. Forgive us, Lord, for telling you what's going on. For telling you how long. Forgive us, Lord, because you even got mad at David when he counted his men. Because David limited you to a God of numbers. But Father, you do not understand numbers. You surpass them. 
numbers bow down to you. Forgive us for counting and strengthen us to trust you, to draw closer to you, to hear you speak. And I pray, Father, that we go from nothing to satisfy to more than enough. Lord, I pray for the needs in our lives, the empty baskets in the room, that you would begin to fill them with your presence, fill them with your wisdom, fill them with your power. In Jesus' name, help us to live this way. Amen. And amen. Come on, would you give God some grace today? You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you guys for joining me today as we got into this word. You guys enjoy that word today? Come on, let's not drown him out anymore. Realize that God knows. So you don't need to 